Welcome to Two Side Outdoors. Your hunting, camping, fishing, survival techniques, and everything outdoors. Enjoy the podcast. Hey guys, welcome to another episode. So today we have another guest that's from the the Facebook group, the Nine Two Eight Flathead Boys. Um, I got Jeremy here. How you doing? Yeah, you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, uh, my name is Jeremy uh, Duncan. Um, I've been here in Yuma for basically since 1995. Um, I grew up in Oregon, and uh, I've been hunting and fishing, exploring my entire life. So I just continue that once I moved here, and uh, still doing it now. That's pretty awesome. That's cool. Um, hunting, fishing. You, so you, you hunt locally out here? I do. I hunt the Kofas for deer, and then I hunt up out of Flagstaff and Seven West for elk. Oh, nice. So, yeah. Cool. Um, I still go back home to Oregon and hunt, uh, usually every three to four years. That's cool. So, Yeah, it's one thing I, I want to get into a little more out here, do a little deer hunting and stuff. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, it's, there's it's, some good mule, mule deer out here. There is. They're, they're, finding them in the, de- in the desert is definitely difficult. That's what I hear. Compared to, like, up north or... You know, in Oregon, we used to see, you know, 50, 60 deer a day. But, you know, here in the Kofas, you might see, you know, two, Some, maybe 10, maybe, you know, I think 15 to 20. Different herd sizes. Yeah, it, it's hit or miss. and That's, that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> luck of the canyon, I guess. Yeah, the little fingers in the canyon, yeah. Right, right. I mean, they're, they're so easy to miss. I, I mean... At least for me. Well, no, it's like, so. that's how deer are. It's like a lot of times you won't even see them, and they'll be just hidden under a, a cactus or something like that. And yeah, yeah. The, the, one of the first years I ever hunted out here, I walked, I actually walked past a buck. He was laying down. The only reason I saw him was I dropped my GPS, and I picked it up, and I saw him out of the core of my eyes, probably 15 feet from him, and he was letting me walk right by him. I mean, I would have never saw him if I wouldn't have dropped my <laughs> GPS. I mean, oh, that's crazy, crazy. but, but uh, yeah, so... But it's, I, I like the challenge. It's, it's, I've had success in the desert. I've never killed anything big, big, but uh, that day's coming sooner or later. No, yeah. So. Yeah, for me, it's like I, I haven't even cut my teeth yet on, on hunting yet. I've mainly been fishing and a little bit of, like, small game in California. Right. Just rabbits and stuff. Right, right. Yeah. yeah there's a lot, a lot of coyotes, a lot, a lot of rabbit hunting around here. A few certain places, definitely a lot of coyote hunting as well. Just gotta kind of get out and. That's one thing that some, some of the areas. some of the other guys that I've talked to on Instagram and stuff they've told me that there's some pretty decent coyote hunting out here. Yeah, yeah, there is. There is, uh, you know, call them in and just kind of gotta get get out and get away from where where people are. Really, is what what I, what I found works. Dude, I've I've heard them before over here on the the other side of the Colorado, right there on Kushan area. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, definitely there. Anywhere like through Dome Valley, some good areas back there to hunt them. Especially if you can get a farmer, they'll give you permission. Oh, nice. Then you can, sky's the limit then. I've heard like a lot of the ag areas and stuff, it's like if they find like coyotes and stuff in their property and stuff, they section off certain areas. Yeah, they do. And they, I mean, any, any, really any animal getting into the fields can be a problem for, mm-hmm. with all the fecal. Yeah, that's, that's the main reason. Things going on these days. I mean, it's a lot more. A lot more like, like for the crops, there's a lot more, uh, you know, testing and 
the little regs and the regulations well, and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. With my previous job, we used to go test the canal water for you know E. coli and fecal coliform, and uh, did a lot of work with farming. So there's a lot, a lot more regulations they have to go through now. That's one thing I've noticed from from California to here, doing pest control and stuff. Right. Pest control, California, super regulated, super right. strict California. Right. Out here, they could care less on how we're spraying, it seems right. like. <laughs> right. I mean, like, a guy like me can go to different places in town and buy the stuff you buy, yeah. and I have no idea what I'm doing. I, you know, just, it might be killing me, it might be killing the bugs, I don't know, but... <laughs> I mean, it's like yeah. tractor supply. I know tractor supply sells a lot of the same products that we use. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, a guy like me, you I mean, I don't... <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, I get it on my hands. I get. It, I'm probably breathing it, but yeah, the regulations aren't near as, as strict, as strict here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the same way, really, for the like. I do water treatment, so our regulations are. We're getting close to California, but they're, we're not as strict as they are by far. Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. Well, getting off topic there a little, but <laughs> oh well. <laughs> um, so getting back into, since you said you like exploration and stuff of things, um, what made you get into, like, checking out things like that, um, mines and areas? It's just, like, the like I, I'm really into history, so it's not just, like, I love going into mines, but I love the whole process of, of uh, you know, how, how they found the mine, you know, the, you know, the tools they used, uh, obviously the tools... In the old days, weren't, weren't they are now? Um, you know, they had dynamite, but that was about it, really. Yeah. A lot of pickaxes and heavy labor. Um, it, it's just very interesting. And then you know, you know, Yuma County has a lot of it. Yeah, that's uh, what I've heard. Not, like not just, I mean, Yuma, Yuma and La Paz, you know, up to Quartzsite. This whole area is just full of you know mines and you know old, you know, old places. You know, eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds. You can. You can still find. I mean, you got to get out. You got to do some hiking, and and uh, cool. you know, there's there's a lot of. It's not just like, you know, some places. You know, like say Big Eye Mine, you can drive right to it, just about, and kind of see it. But a lot of those, you know, a lot of the other mines, it's like, you know, it's drive as close as you can, and you know, you're walking eight to ten miles a day looking for these, you know, mines that aren't named, that aren't mm-hmm. aren't very big. You know, they weren't. They didn't go in very far. or so I know there's a few of them that are still out there, like a little bit farther past, like the foothills area out here. But it's you need permits and stuff to to go out there. Yeah, um, I mean, or like, like the ones to actually prospect. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely to prospect you. Um, and there's there's club there's clubs that uh, have like mining claims. If you're in that club, you can go prospect, whether detector mm-hmm. or dry washing or or whatever. So, because I know my one of my uncles, he. He did that, I guess, at one point, because he used to live more towards Kingman. Right, right. And out there, or it was Kingman, or like Mead, Mead Valley, or something like that, that's right. out there, or Meadview, something. Um, is it? I don't remember not exactly. Real I've been through Kingman yeah. on the Peace Trail, but I'm not real familiar But yeah, he's Kingman. out there and just roaming the desert and stuff, and he found a good-sized nugget out there. Right, right. I know people around here that find nuggets. I mean, well, I mean, not nugget like a big, but you know, like a... Size so a pea or something. Oh yeah, like that, little is, little things. Yeah. Yeah. To to me, it's huge. To them, it's not real big. But 
Um, That's like, yeah, the people that do it for quite often, it's like, oh, yeah, this thing's tiny. Yeah. But it's like seeing, it's like, oh, wow. Yeah. Good size chunk yeah. of gold. <laughs> yeah. Like, like in all the mines, I really, I don't know, I really know nothing about gold mining or so, you know, there's gold, silver, my lead mines around here, uh, mica mines. I'm not interested in like quartz not, and stuff. Like yeah, that. I'm not interested in like mining them. I'm just interested in seeing them and no, yeah, and seeing the history. Looking at all stuff. Some of them you can find history on, and some you can't. So you kind of know, okay, this, you know, this was mined in the 1800s or 1900s. Mm-hmm. Or, um, and different mines you go in, you can see artifacts, and you can date the mine by. You know, just by the visuals of yeah the, the visual I mean that dynamite box has a date on it you know of the oldest one I've ever found is 1900 oh wow so um, but uh, so you know you know that mine was mined in the 1800s uh, early 1900s at minimum mm-hmm. so um, if you can't find anything there's a lot of stuff on the internet about you know stuff it's just you gotta get lucky and find the right page of research yeah but uh I know it's like I've been to one of those ones that's a paid one in Julian right area and that one that one was I think it was an eagle mine or something like that right right and that one they took us a whole walking tour basically that was about a mile walk where we went quarter of a mile into the mine and then another less than a quarter out right. the other side another right. vent shaft or something yeah yeah they do do like I don't know how if they go into mines or not but like Red Cloud Mine they do tours of definitely of the tailing piles and the area, and they let you like search. I heard that them. one. It's like they'll let you do a little prospecting there. Yeah, find you, little... You, you can find the wolfenite, which is only found, you know, in the in this area. Um, there's a couple of places in the world it's found, but that mine itself only produces that exact color, I guess. Um, so you can look through the tailing piles, and I mean, you have to pay. It's mm-hmm. It's, it's like worth, if you find stuff, it's like you got to pay so many. Per I think it's like thirty-five dollars like a bucket or something like that. Yeah. It's pretty cheap, um, but uh, um, yeah, there's that, and then uh, there's the other mine over over by Red, uh, over by Big Eye Mine. I can't think of the name off the top of my head, but he does tours, but not of the mines, just of the. He has like a little village that looks like a mine. He has a bunch of artifacts. Oh, that's and cool. What not? So. But uh, yeah, it's very it's it's just interesting to me. Yeah, so. things with do with history and stuff like that. Those are always really interesting. Right, right. I agree. And like I how agree. you said, it's like you can date certain things just by once you kind of clean off some of the stuff or some yeah. some of the little artifacts that are in there. Yeah. It's like you figure out, yeah. oh, this was. You know, this a lot, year. and a lot of it's just getting out and just you know not like just getting out and like well, it's exercise, which is mm-hmm. always good. But you know, just seeing the scenery and. You know, that, you know the mountains and whatnot. That it's just all interesting to me. Oh yeah. Um, are you ever afraid of like when you're in going down some of them or something like that? that something's gonna happen. Um. There's been a few times where it's like, like if it's sketchy, I won't go in there. But uh, um, yeah, uh, yeah. Some some mines have been like. <laughs> I mean, like, like the mines along the river, for example, um, along the Colorado, the, those mines are used by sheep a lot, so you'll oh, wow. see sheep droppings in them. So, I mean, I was like, hope I never encounter, I always worry about encountering a cat, but I think yeah, a sheep would be worse. Yeah, stuff out here. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think encountering a sheep in a mine would be worse than a, <laughs> than a cat, but, oh, uh, yeah. but uh, yeah, so, but, I mean, 
I guess getting back to question, I, I have been nervous about certain things, but not. Because, like, for me, when I was doing a little exploration with, like, some of my friends out there in Anzabrego Desert, those uh-huh. mud caves that they have out there. Right. Those, I'm afraid that, because all it is literally is just mud. Yeah. It's yeah. They're all made from just flow, river flows of right. rain and stuff like that. Or right. Just... Yeah, most of mine, especially along the river, all those mines are, like, pretty solid rock. I mean, obviously it can collapse, and mm-hmm. you see signs of it collapsing, but... Uh, because, like, the ones that I I went into, we went into some spots where it was only, like, you could only squeeze through it to a certain point, and then it went down to just basically your chest could right. barely fit through. Right, yeah. And it's just like, uh, this is getting a little claustrophobic here. Yeah, see, like, that's never bothered me. I don't, I don't, I mean, if it's something that's caved in, I usually, I won't, I'll just turn around or, you know, there's too many, mm-hmm. too, too many places to look at to really risk it, but, uh, uh, but... As far as being claustrophobic, I have zero claustrophobia. That's why it's like I'm not too claustrophobic or anything with it, but it's just like there's like the times where it's like, okay, this is getting tight. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, um, I agree. And then obviously in any kind of mine, you can't be afraid of the dark because it's oh no, yeah, they, it they is get pitch dark, dark yeah. in there. Yeah, so that's one thing. It's like we noticed when we went into some of those ones. It's just like everybody turn your lights off, and it's just like Poof. right. Yeah. You can't even see your hand. In front can't of you. see your hand, and it's dead still and quiet, and yeah, yeah, you don't. Uh, it's a little trip. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely different. Um, it's a different feeling. Uh, just it's so quiet. Yeah. So unless there's ghosts in there, then maybe it'd be. Maybe. <laughs> maybe, but uh, I don't know. I've actually there was I have one video where, I mean, who knows what it was, but it sounded like someone was whistling in there. It was oh wow. A, one of the ones I was just walking, it sounds like, at one certain point, it sounds like someone makes, like, this whistle sound, which I didn't even hear it there. I, I didn't hear it until I watched the video later. So, I mean, what, it could have been the wind. It's hard to, you know, I have no idea. I didn't see anything. That's... It was kind of weird. <laughs> that is weird. It was weird playing it back <laughs> and be like, what was that? So. That happened to my sister once where she was, this was just outside my dad's house where she's just recording her son riding his bike. Right. And then... On the camera, it picked up something. They're coming. Right. And it was like, what is that? And then right after that, the dog started barking. Right. So it was just like, well, what, what was going on there? Why? Right. <laughs> Who <Right>. did that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hmm. What's, what's like the deepest you've gone into some of them? Um, like give or take, like how many feet can you say? Probably four or five hundred feet in. Down. Down. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, the longest one's probably been, it's been over a mile from start, same level, but start to finish. Yeah. So um, those are few and far between around here, really. I mean, there's there's a few of them out there like that, but m- most most of your mind, especially along the river, most of the deepest one there is probably two or 300 yards. Most of them wow. are just real shallow. Either they... Short little things. Yeah, they weren't finding what they wanted to, or that's. I mean, if they're they're doing them by hand, I mean, if, who knows how long? Yeah. Obviously, it would take a while, and of course, in the summertime, they probably weren't out there. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't think. Um, so it's probably just a wintertime gig, uh, just like. I don't know if it'd be a hobby mine or if it would just be. No. Yeah. You know, I. Something Mo- that they most lost mines their... you're not going to get rich on, so they lost their funding or something for yeah, it, or, or yeah, just... or just I mean, a lot of those mines along the river are hard to get to, even by boat. I mean, you mm-hmm. you can take a boat, but you still got to hike into them. Yeah. So 
I mean, there's a couple of winters ago, I I basically went from I hiked almost from Martinez to Draper's Cabin on both sides of the river, skipping some sections. I did I logged I think 100 like 87 miles on the ground. Oh wow! And just I mean, there's old mines out there all over the place, but mm -hmm. like I say, most of them only go in you know 20 30 feet. Um, but uh, of course, uh, lots of wildlife out there and. I don't know. Um, it's like I've just been out there up past Mitri a little bit, and we've seen some bighorn sheep out there. Yeah, yeah. Someone with a really big curl on them. Yeah, there's there's some really big sheep around here, and I mean they're. But to draw for them, that's another story. Yeah, there. I mean I've been putting in since I moved <laughs> here, and I've never been drawn. So, uh, yeah, it's like I, I put in in the Kofas. I think they give out two tags a year, mm -hmm. so the chances of getting drawn are still very slim. <laughs> I mean less than less than a percent for yeah. sure so yeah but, I mean, you know someday someday it's bound to happen maybe hopefully and i hear they're so. also they're like once in a lifetime tags though too um no in arizona you can it's one kill in a lifetime you can oh. actually you can actually get drawn more than unless oh, wow. they've changed the rule um you, you can get drawn more than once but if you don't kill one you can actually get drawn reach yeah exactly I, I used to know a guy that he had he'd got drawn twice he was unsuccessful the first time and he shot one the second time oh wow but how he got drawn twice I have no idea because <laughs> I still haven't been drawn. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, just just luck, I guess. But, yeah. But, yeah, so that that's how it is in Arizona. Like, you know, where I'm from in Oregon, you get – if you draw a tag, that's it. You you can never draw one again. It doesn't matter if you're successful or not. Mm -hmm. So um, – and then to buy, a, to buy a sheep tag is – well, I'll never be able to afford it. Oh, no, I mean, yeah, you, I know. You can buy them at auctions and stuff, but, you know, they go for – you know, hundred grand sometimes I hear. Yeah, I've I've seen them as high as like half a million dollars. Yeah. I mean, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I unless I win the lottery, I thought just that'll I mean, never happen. Yeah, exactly. So, but uh, or it's like if you're part of like the mediator crew and they do a lot of their yeah, yeah, something like that. You know, they, then that's a different story. But <laughs> I'm far from it, so I'm a oh one man show when I go hunting. So, <laughs> so yeah. But, uh, yes. So. Has it been pretty expensive getting into this the mine exploring and stuff, or, or no? Uh, for, well, for me, yes. I mean, I not really. I mean, I, I have a side by side and I have a boat. But see, the, those uh, are like things that's like you already so, had more or less. Yeah. For, so I mean, I, I didn't stuff, buy yeah. them for that, but I mean, I I have bought gear to go into mines. It's it's not cheap. Yeah. To, to go deeper in the mines for sure i mean that, so i have like a repelling harness and everything and it's like i know that cost me like 50 60 bucks or something like that for it was a right. black diamond one yeah um yeah i just picked up a harness and i actually bought a 200 meter rope you know that was close to 500 dollars just for yeah, the ropes, the climbing so. ropes are pretty yeah, pricey they're, there they're pricey <laughs> and well, yeah. you need them. They need to be <laughs> good <Yeah>. quality on those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't going to buy some cheapy Amazon one. I, I went with a top of the line one. But, uh, uh, but yeah, that that gear is expensive. But it, to, just to go out in the desert and explore, I mean, it's just the cost of your tank of gas, really. Yeah. Um, it just depends how in depth you want to get. So I want to get more in depth than I have been in the past. I mm -hmm. mean, so it doesn't cost. I mean, just just going out and hiking, and like I said, it's just a tank of gas or. You know, four-wheel drive is almost a minimal to get to to get yeah. near most of them. Um, the only one you could maybe get away with is you know Big Eye Mine. Uh, that road is 
There's one or two sections that if, I mean, it's a little like, iffy. <laughs> like your truck would make it with because it has clearance, you could make it two-wheel drive. But if you didn't have clearance, you wouldn't. I've already gotten this thing stuck out here. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. that was um, the, <laughs> I've been stuck many times. That area, Shits Creek area. Oh right, right. Yeah, the, yeah. I got stuck in the sand right there. Yeah, you know, it, you know, coming from Oregon, we don't we didn't have sand, so it took me a while to figure out how to drive in the sand. And oh no, it's like yeah. I aired down a little bit, but even then, this thing still it's a two wheel drive, but that what is it negative traction? Yeah, right. Where one wheel will right. when it gets traction or whatever it is. Right. So. <laughs> just like sink yeah yeah so i get that unfortunately but well if you ever get stuck i'm off you know you got my number so for sure no yeah i slowly want to upgrade that thing i want to at least put a locker in it and kind of give me a little extra bit of a boost there right oh yeah for sure for sure yeah i mean four-wheel drive definitely helps i I rarely use, well, with the side-by-side, I rarely even use my truck anymore, but mm-hmm. it's just so much handier. To, I can ride right from my house to pretty much everywhere I go. That's cool. So, and, you know, the, the longest stretch of pavements, I think 21 miles that I have to ride on. The rest of it's all dirt, so. Nice. For, for the areas that I go. So, makes it nice. Have you ever found yourself stuck in one and couldn't get out? Stuck in a mine? Yeah. Or no. gotten to a point where... No, I've never gotten nothing. to the point where I've been, uh, what do I do now? No, thank goodness. That's good. Yes. It's like uh, knock on wood. Yeah, I mean, so, so, some places, that, man, it's like, I would like to, but yeah, I just, without any kind of ropes and stuff, now that I have ropes and stuff, it'll be a different story, because, mm-hmm. you know, you'll be able to either repel or ascend up it, yeah. so, um, but, uh, I no, thank goodness, I've never been, never been stuck, so... That's good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'd probably still be there if I was. <laughs> um, what are some of the interesting finds that you've found before? Um, interesting find. I think, honestly, the, artifacts or... the, the most interesting find I've ever found was actually not in a mine. Was a, uh, I found three of them that were quite interesting to me, uh, mining claims. Um, so in the old days, you would... You'd, You'd go to the, two of them have Yuma's name on them, and one of them has, it's a California area. Um, the two from Yuma were from Yuma County. Um, one of them was along the river. It was a quartz mine, and it was dated 1929. Oh, wow. Um, it was in the, uh, you know, the Prince Albert tobacco tin. That's what they would mm-hmm. put them in back in the day. Um, and... Uh, Unfortunately, when I took it out and unfolded, it was so brittle that it was just like... It just fell apart. <laughs> yeah, I was able to take pictures of get the date and Yuma and the guy's name. And, of course, I looked him up and could find nothing. But, um, I mean, I tried to put it back in the tin and put it back where I found it. But it was it went back in, like, small pieces. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's worthless. If someone else pulls it out, it's going to be dust by the time. Yeah. If, if someone else ever finds it. It was, it was a long ways from... Uh, I was up. It was below Picacho on the Arizona side, but getting to it f- from a vehicle would be, you know, probably a thirty-mile walk. So it's really accessible by boat only. But oh wow! And even by boat was at least a mile and a half off the river, so it was up there. But the, actually, the most interesting one I found was uh, actually out. It was in the vicinity of Big Eye Mine. It was probably about a mile from the mine, and it had uh, uh, it was from 1933. Um, 
in a tobacco tin. Surprisingly, the tobacco tin still had writing on it. It was in a, they put them in big piles of rocks, and they usually put, like, right underneath the top rock. So this one was underneath two or three rocks, so it was just more protected from the rain, I mm -hmm. guess. Uh, but I actually was able to pull it out, read the entire thing. Uh, it was dated 1933, and it had two names on it. One was Pauline Taylor, who, she was the last um, mine watchman of the Big Eye Mine. She passed away in the 50s. And then the other name on it was F.E. Crowder. So F.E. Crowder was the original, one of the original shareholders of the Big Eye Mine. Oh, when wow. It, when it originally opened. So I thought that was really cool. That is cool. Um, you could read the entire thing. It did have where, of course, they have to fold it up to put it in there where the creases were. It was, it was definitely faded. falling apart. Yeah, it was. It came out in three pieces, but I mean, you could read the entire thing. Mm -hmm. um, so that that was probably the most interesting thing I've ever found. I guess outside of a mine. And I found another one from that also had Pauline Taylor's name on it from 19, I think 49, um, and just on claims that they had never been worked. Yeah. Um, they would. You know, anybody can go get a claim on a chunk of land as long as there's no claim on it for the mineral rights. Yeah. Um, and that's what they had done. You know, I don't know if they just thought, well, maybe someday we'll come yeah, do some like, digging here. I've seen some that are up towards, like, Phoenix area, outskirts of Phoenix. Yeah. That you can pay five, 6000 and you get, like, a little chunk of little land. Chunk that, of land yeah, to so you, you don't own the land, but you, you yeah. own the claim rights yeah. to it, so... Um, yeah, and you, I mean, you still, like, if you're out in the desert now, you, they put them on PVC pipes, so you'll see an old mm -hmm. faded the white or yellow because they fade from the sun. And usually inside those or right next to them, you'll see a jar, and they'll have, like, a modern-day claim. Mm -hmm. I, the most, the newest claim I've ever found was from, like, 2002. Oh, wow. Um, that was out, out east. Um, and uh, it was, I mean, the guy dug maybe a 10-foot little hole and, that was it so but it's still his even though it's so old it's still his claim yeah so you can't it's like he hasn't sold it or done anything to yeah it, um and i don't know i think you can sell i'm not sure how that works but uh i mean obviously it was a hobby for him yeah he went out and dug a little bit and it was it's in the middle of nowhere there's it's walk into it walk out so it's not like unless you had horses or mules i mean yeah <laughs> it'd be some heavy trips hauling out some ore you know because all the in reality most of the gold around here especially in the mines it's not you're not pulling out nuggets it's pulling out like a piece of ore and then they're grinding that ore into a powder yeah and then you have to refine it from that it's, yeah. it's fine gold they're going after it's not like nuggets you know you don't you know off these mines and you see a nugget on the wall it's you, you might see it all you, you can see the in, ore you can see the what what they were going you know the the vein that they're going after but you can't yeah you can it's just you know and it's like like you said it's like you don't normally just find just nuggets here and there it's like you'll find yeah the section of it that was in that little vein yeah yeah i mean if you actually find i mean i've never seen it in person i've seen pictures of of around here even where it's a vein of gold and you can see the actual vein um you know in the quartz mm -hmm. you know it's maybe a quarter inch wide or you know, they, I've heard of them being a couple feet wide, but seeing a vein like that, of course, in a mine, they would have gone after that. Yeah. I mean, they wouldn't have left any of that behind. No, yeah. That's a no-brainer, so. And uh, it's like, even though a lot of the nuggets and stuff that you do find, those are ones that probably came from a vein, but there was water running over it, which right. causes it to erode and come out. Right, right. 
Yeah, for sure. And then, I mean, all these washes are, you know, rivers at one point in time, mm -hmm. so they carry stuff down and, you know. That's why it's like most people do find the little nuggets and stuff in a wash that yeah, those, they're those, painting. Yeah, those nuggets have come from somewhere else. Yeah. They haven't just been hanging out there forever. No. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I know a lot of people that do it. It's, it's not an easy process, and it's not... Uh, the people I know, I don't think anyone's ever really, they don't really make money. It's more of a hobby. Yeah. You know, it's like, I have a hobby of going and finding them and looking at them, and, you know, that's it. But, you know, their hobby is actually, you know, dry washing and yeah. digging holes in a wash, and which sounds cool, but I've just never gotten It's just a it. long process of doing yeah. things. Yeah, and it's, you know, like I say, they're, they're not getting rich off of it. They're... Yeah, to find an ounce of gold, it's like how many times are you going to have to sit out there and work for hours yeah, and hours? Yeah, you know, the gas to get out there and then, the, yeah. you know, the equipment's not cheap, of course, like anything else. But, uh, yeah, so, but, uh, it's, you know, it's just a hobby. You know, just mm -hmm. every day is hobbies, and that's, that's theirs. Mine's, mine's fine and stuff, but, but yeah, so the, the outside would be the claim. Inside of a mine, um, it's always cool to find dynamite boxes. I've never found live dynamite, which, thank goodness. But uh, that'd be kind of scary at the same time. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's something you. How stable it actually is. Yeah, that, I, you would definitely <laughs> want to stay away from that. Uh, you would never want to touch it or get near it, really. Um, yeah, the dynamite boxes are neat. Um, like I say, I got a guy I know found a pair of. Uh, he found a pair of jeans from. They dated from between 1909 and 1911. They were stronghold wow. jeans, so, um, and they just had one rip, rip in the knee. Other than that, I mean, other than being, like, super dirty, uh, they were actually in really good shape. Um, so I have found a pair of jeans that were missing the legs, um, almost like Daisy Dukes. Um, <laughs> so they were they were pretty ratty, but they were stronghold jeans as well. So, um, and they're, they're still sitting there for the next guy to find. I mean, they're, you know. The actual pair of jeans would be worth some money, but, mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Would I take them? I, I've, off, I've often asked myself, would I take them or leave them for the next guy to find? I don't know. I, it's hard to say. If they were Levi's, I'd probably take them because old Levi's are worth a lot of money. You yeah. Know, I could probably, <laughs> that'd be my retirement for me, but, but, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, mine boxes are cool. Uh, old bottles, you know, I found bottles from, you know, the 50s to the 1900s. Uh, finding them from the 1900s that aren't cracked is, seems to be very mm -hmm. difficult. Um, obviously, inside of a mine, they're not, unless they set them down gently, if they yeah. drop them, they're going to crack. At, yeah. you know, even though they're thicker than modern day. Glass um, and stuff, yeah. Yeah, so that, um, uh, the last mine I was in, I found actually boxes that were, uh, instead of dynamite, they were candle wax. Or candle mm -hmm. boxes, so you know that's back in the day they were using candles to light their way instead yeah. of uh, the old hats and stuff that they yeah, had little yeah. mirrored piece of yeah, metal the, with the, the candle on it. Yeah, or even I mean back then they would have had car carbide lamps as well, but this was a box that had candles. It didn't have any candles left in it, but but uh, um, I found boxes that said Dome Arizona on them. I found them that said Yuma Arizona on them. Oh wow! Uh, that were you know early 1900s. Um, That's probably the highlights. I mean, you, you find a lot of, uh, you know, drill bits. Because uh, even 1900s, they had, you know, compressors. So they would yeah. have had... That was, like, one know. thing that I had seen as well when we 
explored that one in Julian, they had the whole display of what it was. Right. And that was pretty cool. It's like we've seen all the the hand drills that they had, the pneumatic drills, mm-hmm. the the jackhammers and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because they would have put pneumatic drills, and then they would have shoved the dynamite in and put it on a, or put a fuse on the dynamite, put it mm-hmm. in, and then, you know, that's how they were mining back in the, no, in, yeah. in the 1900s. Uh, most mining. I mean, some miners, I think, legitimately just used the pick and, yeah, a little bit of dynamite and just kind of went as they went, but you know, small operations like that, you know, they weren't high budget. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so um, yeah, that, that's kind of like the interesting things. I mean, the whole experience is interesting to me. I mean, oh, no, yeah. the 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 one the one amazing thing is the carpentry. I mean, you walk in these mines and you see, you know, they were using cottonwood trees back in the day around here, um, and just the supports that they made. Yeah. Um, uh, there's one mine that the cottonwood tree is probably it's probably like two feet in diameter. It's about 18 feet tall. Oh wow! It's like how I mean how how did they get it? You know, in there in the first place. You know, carrying. I mean, obviously it took lots of people, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, how did they? <laughs> uh, it just ama- It's just amazing because that was all done by hand. That was done by hand. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, they didn't have pulleys on the you know, above them or whatever. I mean, I'm sure they had some kind of something, but that's crazy. It's hard labor, but uh, just well, the whole architecture is interesting. So, with seeing stuff like that, basically using that as like structure support kind of things. Yeah, I'd be afraid of that because of what this area and certain areas around here are known for with like the line of work that I do, pest control. Right. Because the termites. Right. I've never seen signs of termites in a mine. That's I mean, <laughs> sure it's possible, but I mean, in, if you get in a, a bigger one deep in them, I mean, it's like yeah, I, I wouldn't see. I guess maybe so far deep down. Yeah. I guess maybe it'd be more towards like the surface. Yeah, area. close to the surface. I mean, the only thing you, I mean, you get like the you know the sun baking the wood, drywire, you know, kind of rotting. But I've I, honestly I've never seen signs of termites in. I'm sure it's happened, but mm-hmm. uh, never seen signs of that. I mean, the sun bakes things pretty bad, you know, right at the entrance. But once you get inside those mines, I mean, a lot of those boards look like they came out of the lumber store yesterday. And they're still pretty well preserved. Yeah, hundred percent preserved. It's it's pretty amazing, really. Once, um, and it's amazing how much you could. Some of them you can just see how much weight is above them. You know, the rocks that are yeah. falling down, or just come down, or. Or whatever, and it's just like wow. I mean, it's holding that. <laughs> the, the carpentry and those, some of those, I don't, you know, how how they, you know, they didn't know the things that we know nowadays. I mean, they probably knew more, maybe because just just the architecture inside of them is pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, just find just things that is, you know, you don't. I don't care if I always love to find, you know, boxes or or different, you know, artifacts they call them, but but. Uh, even if they don't have them, just seeing the structures, that, that's that's pretty cool to me. Oh, no, yeah. So. And it's just like seeing a mine in general, just going into it, doing a little exploring. Next thing you know, it's like you find something from back then. It's just like, right. wow. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, you know, I mean, this this has been here for so over 100 yeah. years. Uh, <laughs> so uh, it's, 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 pretty amazing. it's pretty amazing to think that this is what, you know, like you find old tools occasionally or... Like say the carbide lamps that you know just looked like one of those silver doctors things, and it just had a flame coming. It's just like you mm-hmm. know I'm down there with a huge you know I've got 
couple of different headlamps I rotate and some flashlights and I can light up the night underneath there but then you turn everything on low and you put your flashlight on the lowest setting and you, you, know, you can't hardly see it's like that's probably 10 times what they had yeah so. well it's like if you really if you just take a lighter with you and you just turn that on it's like <laughs> yeah <laughs> What can, can I see? see? <laughs> you can see, maybe see enough to walk, and that's it if you're lucky. But um, so I mean, it's it's just amazing to think. To me, it's amazing to think just of what they went through and mm-hmm. how, how. Uh, I don't know what the word is. Like just how well it's made. Like, yeah. I mean, it's obviously you know some of those mines are, well, well over a hundred years old, and they look like they're going to be there for another hundred years easy. Mm-hmm. So. But uh, this, the whole experience is interesting. I mean, finding finding artifacts is always a bonus, but you know it's not. No, yeah, it's, it's not the end of the world if you don't. <laughs> so and and a lot of mines you don't you don't find anything in them. You don't see like you know people uh, mines that are easy to get to. You know all that stuff has long been picked up and yeah, it's in somebody's front yard or you know the ore cart or. Uh, there's some mines that in Yuma that have there's I found three ore carts in the Yuma area. Oh wow. Uh, which are pretty, pretty rare in general for really, really any mine. Because I mean, ore carts back then weren't cheap, so they would have you know used them and they would have moved the hell, them from beat level. Beat the hell out of them too. Yeah, they, <laughs> yeah. And, and one of the ones that that's in this area is like it looks like it's it's missing the wheels. That's the most common thing they take off because mm-hmm. that's the easiest thing to get off. And uh, it's missing the wheels, but it actually doesn't look like it was used very much. There's hardly any dents mm-hmm. on it and. It's it's in really good shape, I think. And it's all made out of iron. It's iron. It, it I tried to like wiggle it, you know, with my arms and stuff, and it didn't budge. <laughs> I, I don't know how it's. I don't know. It's probably like the the sidewalls of the actual car are probably a little less than half an inch, maybe. Wow. And uh, I mean, you figure they hauled rock in it. Yeah. You know, and the, the wheels are solid steel. Um, they just roll on the track, and they would have had like this grease they put on the track to help them roll better. Uh, there is one mine in the, in the area that there's a cart and you can still roll it. Oh wow! Um, through a section, so it's it's kind of cool to see. Like, I mean, there's no grease on rails, so it's you've it's heavy. Gotta, yeah, you've yeah. got to really push it. <laughs> yeah, you get you you definitely got to push it, um, and it still dumps and um, it dump it you can you can it dumps and it also turns to a 45, so you can actually it be dumping it down an ore chute. Mm-hmm. So instead of having to turn it like straight down, it actually like lifts up and it rotates at a 45 and then it dumps. Oh, wow. So it's it's just enough to get off like the track basically. <laughs> yeah, cuz they would they would dump them down like the ore chutes or you know they they they'd have a main hall level so they would have you know you know they might have a 100 level or let's say 10 levels every like 100 feet or so so they would take all this stuff from this level and haul it down to, in ore chutes to this level you know and maybe go down to another level and then they would have uh um, well, in big mines, they would have like one shaft going straight down, mm-hmm. and uh, they would have like a big, almost like a square bucket that just were on cables and wheels and came straight out. So all the ore would go to that main shaft. Yeah, they would dump it in t- to that bu- that you know, basically steel bucket or ca- it was basically an ore cart on its side, and then bring, bring it, it up, bring it straight up or at a forty-five or however the shaft went. That's basically how they. Mm-hmm. How they, most of them worked, but but uh, yeah, so it's interesting. No, yeah, definitely interesting. But and finding an order cards, it's I found this pretty rare. So, but there's three in Yuma County somewhere. 
<laughs> can't I can't say. I say yeah, you don't have to say. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those those, those are. Uh, I mean, one of them you might be able to get to with some ingenuity. The other two, I mean, I think would be impossible to get out just because where they're at. Yeah, but one of them is is possible, but uh, you know, it it would take some. It would take some manpower for sure to try and take it out of there. Yeah. Out of there but but it, it's like really, it's like I know some people are like treasure hunters and things like that. It's like yeah, I mean it. It would it would look neat in my front yard. I'm not gonna lie, but it, it looks neater inside the mine. Yeah, just just knowing that. I mean, it's like things like that. It's like okay, yeah, take a picture, leave it there. Yeah, that's that. I I you know nowadays I when I first got into it, I have a lot of old like rusted cans and stuff like that in my mm-hmm. backyard. But um, I found some really cool, you know tobacco cans and mines that would look great in the backyard but i just left them for the next guy I, yeah it's like they're just gonna rust i mean you take them outside they're gonna rust and it'll rust even quicker <laughs> quicker yeah it's just like just and most of the time where you find that you're not the, the weekend warrior's not gonna find those mm-hmm. so it's, it's gonna be another guy like me that just gets out there takes pictures you know there's i know several guys that youtube their experiences mm-hmm. that's i would like to get into that but uh you know, I'm just not real computer literate with, I, you know, I downloaded the app for the Peace Trail, or I downloaded a, uh, a deal to make videos, but yeah, yeah I'm just. See, I'm still trying yeah. to figure that out with, yeah, cause I, just, I got a little GoPro and everything that I want to kind of use that a little more to, whenever I go fishing. Right, right. But it's just like, the battery life on those doesn't last very long. Yeah, yeah, like when I did the Peace Trail, I bought, I have a. I have the Hero 10, so I bought like seven batteries, so I can mm-hmm. charge on the fly. But yeah, they, you know, 45 minutes and they're... Yeah, depending on what quality of Yeah, it depends footage. how hot it is, yeah. too. If it's that too. The hotter it is, the shorter they last. Mm-hmm. And, so, yeah. But, <clears throat> yeah, I, I would love to... I could figure out how to make the videos and like put them on the computer and like edit it. The editing mm-hmm. is what that's yeah, stitching them all together. And yeah, that yeah. yeah, it just that is a long process. I can yeah, tell you. <laughs> yeah, because the one guy I know, he the last video he did was like thirty minutes. I think it said it took me eight hours to edit it and put it together. I was like, that's just I don't know. Yeah, because it's like it's some... cool. It's a video. It's really cool. But man, eight hours to I don't know. <laughs> I'll just keep making TikToks for thirty seconds. <laughs> <laughs> that or um, there's an app on there to use for like TikTok and stuff. CapCut. I've I've seen that. I've yeah. never downloaded. I've have seen. You a lot can of throw videos. in however many photos, videos, or whatever it is that you want in there, and it'll make it a certain link for let's okay. say Instagram or, or TikTok. Oh, okay, okay. I know. I know the GoPro has something similar to that, but it's uh, it does it for you. So yeah. you have to. I don't know. It's it's their liking. It's not wasn't oh, my yeah. liking, so I, I've never used that. Well, it's like, I think that video that I posted on TikTok and then Instagram recently, that where it was like the batter swinging. Right. That one was one of those CapCut oh, ones. Okay, okay. okay. Yeah, I've always wondered how people do that. that throw makes... in the videos and it does it itself. Okay, know? that makes sense. Okay, because I, I was like, how do people do that? Because but... they have the templates or something that you pick. You oh, pick okay. a template and just stick whatever you want in it. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that's... I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm not. I'm old fashioned when it comes to electronics, unfortunately. So no worries. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but um, yeah, I would. It would definitely be neat to. Mm-hmm. I mean, I video on my phone and stuff like that, but it's not the same really as a 
No, oh, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, oh well. <laughs> so. so, now to go on to a little bit of a different topic. Um, right. Fishing and stuff. What got you into fishing? Um, you know, I grew up fishing. My, I grew up in Oregon, and we lived, uh, you know, we lived a mile and a half from the Deschutes River, which is, it was, a, I mean, kind of like the Gila River here, maybe a little bigger than that. Um, so I just grew up fishing my whole life. So, mm-hmm. um, and then, uh, you know, when I, when I moved here, it was, it was totally different. Uh, you know, the bass fishing is different here. The te- technique is totally different than what it is in Oregon. And then, uh. I didn't really fish for catfish in Oregon, and we had channel cats, few and far between, but mm-hmm. uh, it was ma- mainly bass, smallmouth bass and trout. Uh, we did do some steelhead fishing, salmon fishing when they ran for the, the winter run. But mm-hmm. um, So when I moved here, it was definitely a change. Um, you know, I was like most other guys. I fished from the bank, and, and uh, you know, some spots were good, some spots were not so good. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, the bank access is horrible around here. I mean, Mitri Lake is... There's a lot of overgrowth around there. A lot of overgrowth. Some of it's and, very steep you know, off uh, the edge. Unfortunately, in the wintertime, you know, the winter visitors camp in those spots, so you have is the access even worse. I uh, noticed that with Fortuna. The... Yeah, Fortuna used, Fortuna used to be really bad because they used to camp, like, right on the water. I think now they're supposed to they stay put, back. They but, put rocks around it now. Oh, okay, yeah, because yeah, they used to camp, like, right on the, you know, 10 feet in and you just couldn't get access it's like you know they weren't fishing they were just when when we first moved out here i went out there a few times and that's where i caught my first channel one of the ones that they stocked there right and it's funny it was off of trout bait right right <laughs> garlic trout just put it in didn't expect it and it was like cut it off a trout hook too just tiny little hook right barely hooked in the corner of the mouth right, right. and their snowbirds hadn't came in yet and it wasn't until i think I went back again in December or January. Right. And crowded the whole way around. Yeah. Yeah. That's unfortunate. They, you know, I, you know they, I don't think they enforce the 14-day camp limit. Oh, no. Those people the were way there. they do. They're there the entire For a couple winter. months or more. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, so, yeah, it, it was definitely frustrating um, fishing from the bank. You know, the canals, you know, you, ch- I, you know, I catch a lot of channel cats, you know, smaller ones. Mm. Not Maybe not a lot, but you get, Enough to keep you interested. Yeah. Um, and then... Well, uh, see, it's like for me today, that, that was my first time catching channel cat wild ones, I guess you can say. Right. From the canals. Right. Right. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, so I just... I did that for a long time, and then um, my first my first boat was a 12-foot... Uh, it was a Gregor aluminum boat, and I think it had like a you know, three or four horse motor. I mm-hmm. mean, it was, a, I was the slowest boat on the river, but I started putting in at Fisher's Landing and I would just go, I hit Martinez Lake first and, and, uh, then I ventured onto the river and, and I've had a boat ever since really. Mm-hmm. Um, and just obviously on the river, you can fish wherever you want. So yeah. you don't have to worry about access cause you're on the river. Um, and, uh, um, yeah, I've done, I've done good. I've, you know, my max is 55 pounds for a flathead, so, um, which, unfortunately, it was back in the time when I used to catch and keep, mm-hmm. so, you know, nowadays, I catch and release anything, really anything over, like, 20, 25 pounds, I normally release, just yeah. to let them go back to breed and stuff like that, and I don't need a lot of fish anymore, so, 
not a big deal to me, but no, it's like for me, it's like every once in a while we'll eat fish, do a little fish fry or something like that. But right, it's not often. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've and I have no problem with people catching and keeping whatever they catch. I mean, it's you know they bought the license, so the, no, yeah, that's, that's their right. So. Same same thing. It's like when I was talking to Joseph about it. Yeah, about the catch and release or catch and keep. Right, and he told me very very similar the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I. When I first when I first moved here, I I kept everything. You know, I, mm-hmm. I even ate a carp once. I <laughs> I wouldn't recommend that. It you know personally, I just thought it was horrible. But I did. <laughs> I, did I tried one. It was, you know, it was a pretty big. It was it was over twenty pounds. Oh wow! And uh, it was just horrible. I mean, I ate it because I don't like to waste food, but it was horrible. It was just <laughs> just bad. But um, but yeah, the the fifty five pounder I kept it. Um, it was basically from. With my chest, and it, it touched the tail, barely touched the ground. Oh wow! And then, uh, of course, I don't know. There's my immense mouth hole involved. My head fit inside of its mouth, pretty, <laughs> pretty easily. <laughs> so, I used to have a picture, but unfortunately, I don't have that anymore. Or maybe fortunately, I don't know. But somewhere. Yeah, but yeah, that, that was upriver above Picacho. Um, unfortunately, that hole's not much of a hole anymore, just because of the way the currents changed. Mm-hmm. So um, I kind of. I think that summer I caught seven fish over 30 pounds. Oh, wow. In that hole. But that was also like, you know, 15 years ago. I think, I don't think there's, there's either not as many fish in the river nowadays or they've just gotten smarter and adapted to. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I really don't know. I think it, it could be like the fishing pressure too. I think too. the fishing yeah. pressure is totally different than mm-hmm. it was. You know, you used to go up river, especially at night, and never see a boat, you know. On the weekends, even yeah, you would it would be rare to see a boat like above Picacho. I usually fish from Picacho to like Walters Camp area. Um, see, I, I still have no idea where the heck you're talking about, really. Okay, that's, yeah. I'm, I'm still fairly new. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, so like from Fishers to Picacho is probably about you know eight to ten river miles, I'd guess, and then Picacho to Walters, I think is. I think it's like forty-eight or fifty river miles, something like that. Oh, wow, it, it's a ways. Um, and my boat's about four hours one way, but my boat doesn't go very fast either, so <laughs> um, I, I have a pontoon. I top out at 19 miles an hour going upriver, so empty, with just me in it. <laughs> when, when I went last weekend with uh, with Lugo and Alfredo, we were averaging about 15 miles an hour, so it takes, mm-hmm. it took a while to get there, but, but uh, and I, I, there is still big fish up there. Last year, the biggest fish caught on my boat was 38 pounds. That's still decent Got sized three fish. Three that yeah. over over thirty, so um, they're still decent sized fish. Yeah, there's there's still big fish in the river. I mean, there's. I I wouldn't be surprised if the record came. I think it's in Bartlett Lake right now, but. Mm-hmm. I know there's big fish in the river. I've you know I, I used to own a guy that he caught one that was, I want to say like sixty three pounds. Um, so he had he I mean, he caught it and released. It. He had pictures of it and the girth and mm-hmm. it was I mean. The pictures of him holding it, I mean, he was shorter than I was, but he it was up to his chin. He was just kind of holding it. Yeah. Or maybe another guy was helping him, I can't remember, but it was just huge. You know, he caught it just above Picacho. It was probably 10, 10 12 years ago. But, uh, but yeah, so there, there's big fish out there. And just, yeah, if you ever get a chance, the river's just the access. Because you, you can fish from... No, oh, yeah, it's like one of these days I want to take the my, and, my kayak out and go out there. Yeah, there's there's actually a lot. When the weekend of Lugo's first tournament, um, there was uh, you see 
and it's more in the summertime, but you see a lot of people that canoe from, I don't know if they're canoeing from Walter's camp, but they will, they'll canoe down to, there's three boating campgrounds above Picacho that are supposed to be boat access only. Uh, mm-hmm. They have porta potties and like cement tables. And uh, in the summertime, you'll see them, people, they'll camp there, even though it's hot. Yeah. But they, they'll come down in canoes, they'll tie them all together and... You know, a lot of, I don't know if they're Boy Scout groups or church groups or mm-hmm. or just groups of, like, 30 or 40 people. They'll just be floating and, you know, be tied in, like, you know, 10 or 15 canoes wide. And they'll just have shade set up on them. And, and uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's but, like uh, me and my nephews before. We went, we got dropped in at, below the Hoover Dam. Right. And did a little kayak camping trip from there. Right. And paddled, I think it was 12 miles down. Right. Right. But we first we stopped at, what is it, like six, six seven miles down. We stopped, and that's where we camped. And then the right. next morning we got up and paddled the rest. Right. That's what's nice along the, those three boating campgrounds are nice because you can, we can camp. I mean, there's no, you know, the toilet's a mm-hmm. cement outhouse, whatever. But, you know, there are, there are tables there, and yeah. it, it's a flat spot, just a little uh, fire pit. Oh, see, that was like one so. cool thing that was about that one up there. Um there's natural hot springs that run right there into the Colorado River. Okay. So it's like we were able to stop and pull our kayaks out for a bit and just explore the, the hot spring from where it was coming out. Right. And just like seeing that and stuff, it was that was pretty cool because it's just like natural hot springs. Right, <laughs> Just right. chilling that for a little bit. Yeah, That's, that'd be cool. But that water sure. up there is ice. Right, I'm sure, <laughs> yeah. The water down here is a little warm, especially in the... I mean, it still feels good in the summertime, I oh, think. Oh, no, yeah. But, but, yeah, so. There goes the train. <laughs> yep. So, but, yeah. But if you, have, you ever get a chance to go to the river, I mean, it's. No, it's like, it's cool. We always go, what is it, the first weekend of August, we take take off to go to, um, right there, we drop in at Shits Creek. Okay. And right, right there to West Wetlands. Right, right. Yeah, that's, little, that's become hugely the, popular. The float, float down that they do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that, that's a cool little thing. I've, I've I've actually been in that section on a boat before. I've never floated, mm-hmm. but if my little aluminum boat I actually we used to I used to put in uh, um, upriver from Shit Creek in a little area, and uh, um, uh, and then float down or drive down because mm-hmm. that little boat didn't take any water at all. So oh, nice. Yeah, but it was cool. It was good. Good starter boat. I mean, <laughs> cheap and small, but worked out pretty good. So, um, what kind of gear do you use usually fishing? Uh, fishing like like flatheads. Like I like the muddy river rods. Um, I mean, you can get away with using for years. I would just use you know the. That's what I, I basically have Walmart uh, brand. Yeah, I, I had the, you know, I, well, I had some from, like, Oregon that were, like, older than I was, like, steelhead rods. I used those. Uh, my big, my biggest fish I caught on a steelhead rod with, like, 25-pound test. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was, you know, that rod was older than I was. So, but uh, I like the Muddy River rods. I've, I've been using those for the last few years. Um, and uh, I've always used braid uh, since I started catching Fish larger, regular, larger fish, yeah. Larger fish. I went to braid. It's just you don't break off as much. So. I was like today. I had 
a 30 pound leader right on a treble right connected to the braid and think first right. first pull to set right. the hook right <laughs> wow yeah you know I like like currently I run 85 pound braid and I use a 100 pound leader oh wow so um, but probably overkill I'm but you know, someday I'm. Oh, it's like for me. I'm. I've been using fifty pound braid, and then I use thirty pound leader right. every now and then. Or otherwise, I just go with whatever it was set up with, or use right. a steel steel leader. Right, right. Yeah, I've I've tried steel leaders. I mean, they work. I mean, I just. I don't know. I've, I've been using the, the heavy braid and heavy leader. I mean, I think a hundred pounds like. Well, if I ever catch that monster, it'll probably be worth it. But <laughs> yeah, it's probably a little overkill, but. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, anywhere from, like, 50 to 80 on the braid, and then, you know, 30 to, you know, maybe 80 on the leader would be more than adequate around here. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, like I say, it's overkill, but, I mean, it just all depends on your rod and how, you know, you can you can lighten that drag and make it a fight or... Yeah. Um, well, it's that's, usually, it's like, you kind of want to tire the fish out a little bit before yeah, you just pull yeah, right I mean, in. I, I, I mean, I love catching fish, but I like... You know, I think bluegill are the funnest catch because oh, I, no, yeah. I, I catch them on an ultralight pole with, you know, six-pound test, and I have the drag set. You know, they're, they're taking line the whole time, yeah. and they fight pretty good. And um, so I've seen some people put out some little slabs of bluegill out here before. Yeah. Um, last year I caught the biggest bluegill I've ever caught, which was maybe the size of the plate or so. Maybe. Yeah, good little pan to, size, yeah. Yeah, it was big. I mean, the ones I was catching last weekend were – they're bigger than my hand, so mm -hmm. you know I don't know what's that eight, eight to ten inches longish somewhere in there. So, but uh, yeah, uh, uh, that's pretty much you know I, I I like to circle hooks. I like the big river hooks too. I've had luck with mm -hmm. those. Um, you know before before Lugo came along, that's all I used was big river hooks. Um, you know you got to set the hook with those. The, yeah. the, the circle hooks you just circle hooks are nice for. The newer person, because you don't have to worry about setting the hook. You just yeah. pick up the rod and start reeling, and it just hooks itself. Yeah. So, um, but I guess it would just depend on like the size of hook, though, too. Yeah. Hook. Yeah. On the, yeah. I mean. Um, yeah, it would just. Yeah, that would that'd be true. The. I I use like ten and twelve aught hooks, but when I first started fishing, I was using you know small. Mm -hmm. You know, not not big hooks per se, but. Um, so you can still catch them on small hooks. Right? Oh, yeah. So, it, you know, fish don't care the size of the bait. I don't so think. Whatever they can fit in their mouth, more yeah. or less. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've caught fish off of, you know, I've I've caught big catfish off of worms before. When I first started fishing the river, I, I, I used worms. I, I didn't, mm -hmm. I wasn't, uh, I didn't realize people used bluegill for bait. So, you know, I used worms or I'd buy fish from Food City or, um, and, uh, you know stuff like that. Oh, yeah. I I didn't know that bluegill was a. I didn't realize a, that was a, good a bait. bait choice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, I've I've gotten one one thirty pounder. It was over thirty, a little over thirty. It was on worms. Oh wow. I just had three or four worms on a not a real big hook either. I mm -hmm. mean, you know, probably a five out hook or something like that, and it worked. I mean, as long as it works, yeah. So I mean, you, <laughs> I mean, you never know. I mean, that's a good part about fishing is you don't have to use like fancy gear or fancy bait mm -hmm. you know worms or i mean there's so many artificial type of things you know no, yeah stuff like that especially if like for if you're fishing for a channel cat you know stink bait 
That's um, fairly simple. It's yeah. like I've I've let shrimp sit out for a few days and use that. And yeah, yeah. I used to do that. Um, I used to use like uh, made. I used to make concoction with like uh, uh, one thing that works pretty good is uh, chicken and uh, uh, cherry Kool Aid. Oh yeah, yeah. So I used to use that and just let it sit in the bag and kind of get, you know. So it wasn't so good, like rotten, mm-hmm. basically. Let it and, let it uh, spoil a little let bit. Let it spoil yeah. a little bit, and you know, use a treble hook on something like that, and and uh, you'd catch fish, you know. So that's like one of my cousins. He would always tell me things like that, saying, "Get some marshmallows and garlic and Kool Aid and mix it all together, and right. use that as a catfish bait yeah. or hot dogs and garlic and Kool Aid." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're like targeting carp, you know, corn works. Yeah, it's probably about the. The best, maybe the only thing you can really use, but the, probably the best. No, thing it's you like use. Lugo was telling me something about that as well. It was like, yeah. yeah, get some carp and some Kool Aid or something like that. Right. The the corn cornmeal and stuff, and right. just make yourself a little, make a little dough. dough ball yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, there's that, that's a good thing is you can get into it cheaply, or you can. Yeah. It can be expensive. I mean, you know, my rods and reels weren't cheap, but you know, luckily I'm at a point in my life where I can. No, yeah. nicer things so um that's that's just what i use but uh but yeah that's a good part about fishing you can you can go to walmart and buy a ten dollar setup and catch a decent sized fish decent off that yeah. Fish. yeah i mean when one of my daughters was young she had one of those little snoopy poles and she caught a channel cat that was i don't know it was close to the same size as she was <laughs> i mean so, you know that what's that line like three pound test or usually yeah it's like yeah i don't know how i don't know how she got yeah. it in but it, it came in and it's like well, it was you know that that was actually at the wetlands forest the west wetlands park mm-hmm. so just trying to catch bluegill and stuff because you get on school you know that's what you oh no that's, that's how you keep your kid your well at least get them hooked i kept stuff, my yeah. kid you know more because you could catch them every cast so mm-hmm. it just happened to be that one cast you caught a channel cat that was oh was, yeah and that was like Recently, for me, I caught like my limit of bluegill at Fortuna, right. just with bread. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fortuna's a good place to catch bluegill. Or actually, uh, if you're on the, uh, I think here the east, like the northeast end of Fortuna, you can jump onto the Gila right there, and there's a little spot you can catch bluegill right there as well. Okay. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah. No, yeah. It was, I think it was the West End where I was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like where all like the reeds and the toolies and stuff right. were. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good place. There's another good place if you're going to Mitri. Right there. Uh, it's right after that bridge. They well, it's all fenced off now. The piece of swastikas, which oh yeah, is, those are like it means peace and well because the way language. they're angled, yeah. Yeah. Um, but right there is a palm tree, and, and you can kind of get in behind it. There, that's a good place for bluegill, or it used to be. Mm-hmm. I used to go. Used to be my go-to spot with the kids. It was easy to get to, and I haven't really tried Mitri yet. Yeah, like I've passed by it a few times because we were looking for an area to, to swim, but it was just like, yeah, there's not really any areas to swim. Yeah, there. Mitri's so muddy, and yeah. there's so many weeds fly. I don't know. I probably wouldn't. Probably wouldn't swim there myself, but. <laughs> you see people doing it yeah so, yeah <laughs> so but uh yeah your favorite species of fish uh, to catch probably flats i'd say flathead flats um i mean I, I love going to the ocean i 
Nothing beats the ocean, really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because you can catch a big variety there. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, flathead. I mean, I still like to go home and catch you know smallmouth bass, um, or you know we can, depending where you go, we can catch rainbow trout or mm-hmm. or different species of rainbow. You know, German browns or Dolly Vardens. Um, oh wow! Depending where we go, but um, I mean, I, I like to catch any. I mean, just any fish really. You, you get that. I don't know, that feeling through the rod and through your... Oh, no, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to explain that feeling, but once you feel it, you'll never... Yeah, once you feel it, you'll never forget it. But, yeah. But, uh, so, I, I think probably flathead, just because they... I mean, I know bass fight well, but... I just Catfish like, do a different different kind of just, fight compared to, like, yeah. bass or, like, bluegill or trout, really. Right, right. It's a different, it's a different fight, but when you catch a bigger one, I mean... Smaller ones sometimes. That's I was surprised with these guys. Just like, I hooked them and I was like, "Dang, this!" It took down pretty, pretty good. Right, right. I mean, those I are mean, de- those are pretty decent size for five, six pounders. Yeah, for a channel cat, that's a, that's a good size, really. So, I mean, they, I think the biggest channel I ever caught was right at the inlet to Martinez Lake, and it was, it was like thirty six or thirty seven inches. Oh wow! But uh, I don't remember what it weighed, but uh, it was pretty decent size, but. But uh, yeah, I mean they they fight they fight good. So, what are some of your go-to baits? On uh, the river, I honestly I only use bluegill live bait really. Uh, live bait or cut bait? I've this last tournament um, of Leslie's, I used only cut bait, and that's I used live bait and I didn't catch anything. But I only cut I only caught fish off of cut bait. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Switch it up here and there. Um, I, I do. I've started, uh, well, ever since I've talked to Coon, and he, you know, he caught all those fish last year on cut bait only. Maybe that's a secret. I don't know, but sorry, David. <laughs> well, um, maybe, maybe it could even be just certain areas <laughs> that fish prefer. Uh, you know, yeah. Um, yeah, because, I mean, it's hard to say. Yeah. <laughs> and t- you know, what they're feeding on, what they're, you know, spawn, pre-spawn. Generally, I use, I use live bait. Mm-hmm generally just only but i have trying to mix it up this year do <laughs> try some different things i actually in leslie tournament I, I i tried uh instead of sitting in one spot or maybe moving to a second spot i basically fished for about 40 minutes each spot and i moved so i just kept bouncing around kind bouncing of bouncing yeah. and, and i try i want to try a lot of spots i've never tried before i went all i went almost up to walter's camp and fished down um i ended up right below my last spot was right below picacho so i did a lot of moving but yeah i just it was just something different i mean i don't know if it worked i got i think i got fifth in that tournament that's not bad but that's i mean i it's just fun to get out no yeah you know, I, I i have no problem getting skunked i've been skunked many times on the river well let's see it's like right now my wife she she gets mad at me sometimes because <laughs> she's like whenever you go by yourself you always come back with something right. whenever we go together <laughs> I don't get shit. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. No, I, I get it. I mean, it's it's hit or miss. I mean, you, you just never know. It's, it could be frustrating, but but we'll we'll take your wife out on the boat and we'll put her on some at least some bluegill. I can I can catch those really good. No, no, yeah, so, those are easy. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll put her on some, we'll put her on some catfish. So. That's one thing I, I want to get her on at least just to so she can feel that fight that catfish right. does. Right. Yeah, it's. I mean, you get you get one over twenty. I mean, you're gonna. It feels different. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and of course, the the heavier they are, I think the 
I mean, I have caught some bigger catfish that didn't fight very much, but for the most part, the bigger the fish, you know, the the fight is definitely, yeah. it's definitely, even if you have your drag set pretty tight. I have my drag set pretty tight. Like, uh, Joseph, he has this pretty loose. Mine's way tighter than his, but. See, know. for me, it depends. It's like, when I'm waiting for them to take it, take the bait and stuff, I'll have right. it really loose and stuff. Yeah, like, like I feel, when I have the bait out there, I have it set on, uh. Just so it's on the clicker, so it's like yeah. a free spool almost, mm-hmm. but it just clicks. Um, I'll have it like that when I'm fishing, but as soon as, as soon as they uh, hook up, um, that's when I usually, usually I crank mine down a little bit. Yeah, they usually take it and run. Now I have had I have had fish, like the 55 pounder I caught. He took the bait, and he moved about 20 feet, and thank goodness I didn't, you know, set the hook or whatever because I would pull out of his mouth. But he sat there for. I don't know, two or three minutes, and he swallowed the bait, and I actually hooked him in his stomach. Oh, wow. So uh, when I reeled him up, when, when I had him up to the boat, his stomach was at his... In his throat, his throat basically. Basically, <laughs> yeah. So, but, yeah, um, I, I just fished differently, but I, I was using a treble hook for that, so... Mm-hmm. Um, That's like these guys, when I caught them today, it's like the treble hook basically shut their mouth on it. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, with the treble hook, I mean, like that fish that swallowed it, you know, that was... Would it have lived? I don't know. Because, you know, I mean, I know the hooks dissolve, but it takes a long time. Yeah. Um, so, but, but you know, nowadays, and that's a good thing with the circle hook is 99% of the time you hook them right in the side of their mouth. So you're not, like, hurting. I mean. It's just the lips, yeah. Probably doesn't feel good. I mean, I've been hooked in the lips before. It doesn't feel <laughs> good to me. But, <laughs> but uh, um, at least you're not, like, putting it in their mm-hmm. you know, stomach or back in their, you know, the, if the get them in the gill area, area yeah. you know, it's going to, it probably going to kill them so you know fish you know if you catch a fish in the gills you should probably just keep it because it's probably it might swim off but it's not going to last too it's long it's not going to yeah. last too long it's just going to be floating and it's going to be it's going to be crowded bait or, or whatever before you know it so but uh so i mean you know some certain some situation i would keep i i've been lucky the last few years i haven't had that happen mm. so but i mean if it did i would i have no problem flaying it up and no, yeah. Making some tacos. <laughs> so, yeah, for sure. So. And say, do you have a favorite brand, but you kind of expressed that a little with the, the Muddy River. Yeah, I like the Muddy Rivers. Um, the braid I get is off Amazon. It's called Runkle. Um, just an off-name brand. It had, like, really good reviews. Uh, mostly it's from saltwater guys. But... Uh, well, yeah, saltwater fish, um, usually, it's a fairly large-grade fish, usually. Right, right, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the the reels, I use the, uh, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce it, like, p- Pissifon, or Pissifon, Pissifon. Uh, they're just off Amazon. They're, I think they're good reels, but they're, you know, I don't know, they're 40, 50 bucks, somewhere in there, so they're not, like, high dollar, mm-hmm. but not like pens or something like that, but I think they work great. I have three of them. Um, as long as they function properly and you don't have any issues with them, I don't see. Yeah, they, they function great. And they <laughs> they also have the bait, um, the bait clicker, so you can click it over. So instead of like, you know, on a, I have spinning reels, so on a spinning reel, you're being a quiet. Yeah, so if if something takes the bait, it's like you know you can hear the clicking. Yeah. So uh, that way you're not like, because some fish will take the bait and they'll kind of like pull on it some, and if they get resistance, they're gonna just spit it out. Yeah. Move on. So I, you know, you want that, f- at least on catfish, you want to be able to take that bait a few feet or. You know, sometimes they just hit it and run instantly, mm-hmm. but sometimes they, 
they're like finicky. So they, like, they taste it for a bit, yeah. Yeah, they're kind of like gnaw on it, and they'll be, you know, pulling it, but not really, just just enough to kind of move a foot or two. And mm-hmm. then, so if you set the hook, you're just pulling the fish right out of their mouth. So you reel up your fish, and there's it's missing the scales from the hook. Just above the hook, or just below the hook, all the way back, you know, there's no scales on the fish. You're like, hmm, <laughs> okay, that didn't work out so good. So Yeah. But, yeah, so that's pretty much... Uh, um, just the gear, I mean, you know, the circle hooks, bigger river hooks, uh, I like the, the bigger river hooks, I use the Gamagachi brand, or however you pronounce mm-hmm. that, um, I, now I just buy my weights from, uh, Joseph, or I, I have a cousin that lives in Kentucky, he makes, uh, sinkers as well, so, oh, wow. every once in a while I buy them from him as well, but, um, I, I, I like Joseph's, they're more of the, those no, I like those no rolls. I think they work really well. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy in Kentucky makes them. They're like the egg sinker kind of. Yeah, not like egg, but they're kind of shaped like they're like long and skinny kind of. I don't know what you'd call that shape, but um, like a little torpedo weight kind of. Yeah, thing. yeah, almost like a torpedo. Yeah, so I those work. They're just harder to rig up. So I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of lazy when I'm not lazy when I'm tying my stuff up, but I like you know those no rolls. You just put on the line with a couple. Um, I just use like like just to use those round beads from muddy uh, from uh, like whisker seekers, but I buy mine the, from the Amazon. Little plastic weed. Yeah, bead I things, buy yeah. mine from Amazon. They're glow in the dark and they're like a rubber kind mm-hmm. of material. I, th- I mean, to me, all they do is they're keeping that sinker from hitting the swivel and it'll snap your line eventually. Yeah. So uh, mine glow in the dark. Whether they glow underwater, I have no idea. But um, I do use the Demon Dragons. I think they help. Um, not so necessary. What are, what are those really? Because I've I've never demon dragons. They're almost like a rapala that have uh, balls in them that so they like make it rattles noise. a little they bit. They rattle. Yeah. They float. Um, if you use a cut bait, they keep your bait off the off bottom. the bottom. So it's you know it's you know my leader's probably like thirty inches long. So my bait will in theory be you know twenty five to thirty inches off the bottom or so, um, just to keep it from getting caught on crap and mm-hmm. whatever so um but uh, you don't need them i fished for years i didn't have demon dragons or um even before demon dragons came out i started using the rapalos especially on the lower river where there's a lot of turtles mm-hmm. i would because i'd catch a lot of turtles so i noticed if you would use them if you'd keep your bait off the bottom a little bit uh some old timer got me into that turtles won't, um, won't take it yeah he said he didn't catch near as many so he would use floating rapalas like you know bigger ones mm-hmm. And uh, so he was using demon dragons without realizing it. You know, they didn't have rattles in them, but he yeah. he basically would use them to keep the bait off the bottom because mm-hmm. he would catch less. There's, I haven't fished the lower river for many years, but used used to catch a lot of them back. You know, just those little soft shelled. You know, I've yet to maybe. see one of those in, in, in person. Yeah, I've caught a few off out of Fortuna Pond, but um, when I had my aluminum boat, I used to put in uh, on the road to Mitri Lake. Right past where that old store was, there was like maybe six poles past that. You would take a left through the fields, and there was a dirt boat ramp back there. So huh. I used to be able to put in there and then go up and down that section of the river. So I used to catch a lot of turtles in that section. So, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I think those work. Uh, they are not, they're not necessary, but they definitely help. Yeah. All the fish I've caught in the last couple of years have, have had demon dragons. And I fished without them, too. Just to see, and it mm-hmm. seems like I catch a lot more fish with them than without them. Yeah. 
So, but, uh, um, but yeah, that's, that's basically what my setup is. Um, you know, my rods are one piece, seven footers. Uh, like I, said, just uh, I still need to work on my little collection of one pieces. Most of mine are all two piece. Yeah, and I had two piece for years. I mean, there's nothing wrong. I think the just the one piece lasted. I think you get better, maybe feeling out of them. Yeah, you don't have to worry about them coming apart mid mm-hmm. <laughs> mid fight yeah. or whatever. I mean, <laughs> I've had that happen before. Um, but uh, yeah, but I mean that that's there's nothing wrong with those at all. I mean. Yeah. I've even thought about taking my, my big ocean surf surf rod to try and cast freaking way out there. Right. And then I'm just like, yeah, I don't want to mess this thing up either. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, I mean, something like those, to me, bait casters are hard to cast. Even on a boat where you have more open, mm-hmm. they're just hard to, if you're casting towards the middle, no big deal, because you don't have to worry about hitting anything. But if you're casting on the bank, I don't think there's... Or at least I'm not as accurate with them. I'll just put no, it that yeah, way. Yeah. I'm sure somebody I, is. I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but uh, I, I still have issues with that too. Still trying to get my my aiming right with right. bait casters. Yeah. Now with a spinning rod, even on heavy gear, I can just, I can get it close. I mean, it's kind of hard to judge sometimes when you have a you know one or two pound bluegill on the end of your line. So. Oh no. Yeah. But uh, plus the I mean I I use either eight inch eight ounce or ten ounce sinkers. I go pretty heavy with them. So. Uh, that is pretty uh, heavy. <laughs> you know, and there, and the, I mean, there's one more. Depending on where you fish on the river, there's a lot more current, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to fish those back eddies the most, um, just to get kind of the water swirling, and you don't get a, you don't get as much weeds. There's a lot of weeds floating underwater, so mm-hmm. um, on the main main channel. So I try to fish those little, just little, not not big eddies, but like where the river where the water comes over around the point. So you shoot back in, in kinda, that point, yeah. kind of get in that little area. There's kind of the you know, if the water's swirling, that's even better. So it's kind of just mixing that up. Yeah. Getting that some feed up in there, and then so that's that's that. And I also use uh, quite often use a uh, I have a green a green light, an LED light. It's on like a twenty foot cord, and I it sits around the bottom. So just as a bait fish attractant. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it makes a difference. I've caught fish with it and without it, but. <laughs> Typically on the boat, especially when I'm by myself, I leave it on. It makes for good pictures when the fish come up. You get that dark. That you have the fish, and then below the it, you come get, up, yeah. yeah. So it, it does make for good picture taking. I mean, that, that's probably the best advantage of using that. So, as you can see, the outline the, of the fish in the water. Yeah. So, that's makes cool. makes for good TikTok videos. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the TikTok. Yeah. So, but uh, but yeah. Well, I think that's about it that I have for you, really. Okay. Um, cool. Well, it was a good, pretty good conversation. I learned a lot about the mine exploration stuff. Yeah. And yeah. If you ever want to go out, let me know. Uh, uh, yeah. Go on some easy ones, or definitely interested. In, oh, I can go for a couple miles or more. Right. <laughs> if, right. I, I, that's one thing I like doing is I, I like going hiking and stuff like that. Right. Yeah, I love to hike. I mean, I'm not the greatest. I have a belly, so, but, I mean, I, I can hike with the best of them. That's what I always tell people. I can hike with the best of them, so. Yeah, it's like, recently, we, me and my wife, we went up to Telegraph Pass. Oh, right, right. That was a that was a pretty good hike. Right. It wasn't too bad, but it's yeah. just, it was steep. <laughs> yeah, the hill itself is steep. It's actually cool, uh, if you park in the upper parking lot to the left, there's a trail that actually takes off a little bit. 
I see. I heard that around. there's a few more trails right there that's yeah. like it'll kind of curve back around <laughs> up to it. You can actually make a, a one big loop and come out on the top where mm-hmm. the road is. I I can't remember how many miles it is. I could tell you. I could look it up. But it, there used to be a flag uh, up on you. You would see it from the long straight stretch between the parking lot and Telegraph. You used to see a flag and a up on the hill there, but it disappeared. I think last year. Um, well, here recently, so I think we've seen there's some sort of a flag or something like that. It might be best. Someone might have put it. Put I, put back, it up, yeah. I put one up one year. Um, it had uh, it was pretty much just shredded. So a buddy of mine went up there and replaced them, and they were there for at least a couple of years. But last year I didn't see it. So I mean, it either got taken down because you know the wind whips up there. It's yeah. It's right on top of one of those hills. There's a actually a uh, ammo can up there with a. Uh, it's a tribute to a. Th- I think somebody in the military that passed away is a, is a tribute. To, I think mm. I think that's what it's from, if I remember right. But there's a bunch of like, you know, stuff you can sign and write little notes or whatever. There's uh, yeah, you know, there's uh, different mementos in the can, like you know, like dedicating, you know, it's whatever to that person. So that's cool. But uh, that's pretty cool. That that hills is it's well, it's steep uphill one way and steep downhill to come back yeah. if you do the. But it, it's a cool trail. So it's it's not really like it's a trail, but it's like a donkey trail kind of. <laughs> it's not really like a telegraph yeah. fast trail. It's not real heavily used, but well, it's, like, it's it's a cool route. I like it. Yeah, it's a little, little <coughs> off the the main path, I guess you can say. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And there's there's like rock markers like stacked up, kind of like because the places the trail is pretty much you can't see it. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of stacked rocks around that kind of like you. That's what you kind of look for. To, as you're walking. <laughs> so you're on the right path still, because there are some places where you just... And you're walking over, like, solid rocks where there is no trail. It's just, mm-hmm. like, rock only, so... But, yeah. Yeah, Telegraph's a great hill. I, I've been hiking that hill for years. <laughs> so, no, yeah, I enjoy cool. it. Well, I guess time to sign off. Any any plugs or anything that you want to plug anyone, or...? Um, no, just thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. Oh, yeah. No, no I, problem. I... I I'm a talker, so <laughs> I can talk to about anybody, so no problem. So. Well, I got one plug, so the obviously the shirt that I'm wearing, the Patriot gear. So you guys just go go check it out, um, officialpatriotgear.com, and then just use the code two side ten for ten percent off. Um, and then I guess just another shout out to nine two eight Flathead Boys. Go check them out. Join the group if you're in the Yuma area or, or anything. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's the best group, at least for getting knowledge. Yeah. I mean, you have the Yuma Fishing Forum, but some people ask questions and get a lot of, like, trolling and stuff. I think. Yeah. That, that's a good thing about Joseph's page. Just, you know, he, he cuts all that out, so. No, yeah, that's, that's um, for sure. Yeah, so just, yeah, his page is, I think, the best in, in Yuma. Yeah, check them out on, on, on Facebook. Um, other than that. I don't got anything else. That's all I got. Cool. Well, well, that's it. We'll see you guys next time.